0: Well, next up on The Black Fern Show, we're joined by a Welsh sports broadcaster. She's over here working for ITV in the UK. She's a host of the Try Hard podcast, a producer. She's been working in rugby for nearly two decades and she goes by the name of Laura Jane Jones, potentially the coolest name I have ever heard, LJJ for <laughs> short. Laura Jane, thank you so much for coming on our show. It's your debut tonight. How are you?
1: I'm great, Kirsty, and thank you for notarising the welshness because the amount of people who have assumed i'm english whilst i've been here has been quite hurtful so it's it's really nice to get my uh, my welsh heritage recognised on radio today
0: well thank you for coming on uh, especially after that result on the weekend obviously um we're very proud kiwis on on this program so it's great to be able to get your perspective but if you look at the quarterfinals in general over the weekend what did you think who was most impressive for you I
1: think it's a difficult one because I think obviously yesterday the conditions really played into it over mm. White Taquiri and and I think that had a massive impact. I'm not sure that we saw um, the best Canada that we'll see and the best England that we'll see, but they both obviously got the job done. Obviously, the Black Ferns were the Black Ferns and, and they put on another performance that we've come to expect of them over the course of, of this World Cup. But I think the, the attitude from lots of people is that they remain untested and with all due respect to the Welsh girls, they didn't put up the kind of competition that perhaps other teams will for them as we now progress into these later stages. I still think France are going under the radar, and I, I really do think they're going to trouble the Black Ferns at Eden Park this weekend.
0: Well, let's break down each team a little bit more then. Um, we'll start off with the Black Ferns. How good is this side, do you think? Because they really haven't been tested in the pool stages and in the quarterfinal, have they?
1: I think they're world-class. There's no, there's no question that, that that's a world-class backline. I was really pleased to see Theresa Fitzpatrick get the player of the match award because I think she's chronically underrated. Mm. There are so many stars in that backline. She hasn't talked about enough, but what what star power that woman has. She's amazing to watch, and I've been very lucky to to see her on the on the World 7 Series. Um, I think the big thing for me is that you look at that side, and there's a lot of names that those of us who are involved in the 7s game know mm. really well because they are your Olympic gold medalists. But there's a concern, I think, that there's 15 girls playing sevens out there. Mm. They're throwing the ball around. It looks great. It, it's, it's great rugby. It's fun to watch, isn't it? But is, is the set piece going to do what it needs to against teams like France, England, Canada, potentially? And I think that's where the concern is. It's great rugby. It's sexy rugby. But is it rugby that's going to win a World Cup? I'm still not sure.
0: We'll find out this weekend, won't we? Because this is going to be the test. The Black Ferns taking on France. France um, came very, very close to England in pool play. What's impressed you mo- most about this French outfit? And how big a loss is that halfback, Oh,
1: She's huge. She, you know, she is one of the best players in the northern hemisphere in the world. And you know, it's one of those things where you look at that side and think that's obviously hit them hard. But mm-hmm. the reality is that. the the conversation that we've had over the past three seasons with France is who do they pick out of their two scrum halves because they've got two world class scrum halves. So as much as they've lost San it's not like they are um, losing any kind of um, IQ in in those positions. It's still a great halfback pairing. I think the thing with France for me is that they're getting the job done, aren't they? Mm. They're, They're getting the job done that they need to do at the moment. I still don't think we've seen the best of them. I think that defensively on the weekend, they were very, very impressive. I, I think the kind of technicalities of their defensive game are, are kind of what set them apart there a little bit. Um, I think that the biggest thing for the Black is it's, it's the, the way that these two teams play coming up against each other that's going to be decisive. As I said, the France defence is, is what impresses me there. Mm. The Black fans are so flat that that's going to be a really interesting matchup. And I think it's going to be a bit of a bloodbath as well. I think they are such a physical side. And that's probably, when we say about the kind of threat that that the Black fans haven't faced yet, that's what we're talking about, I guess. It's that kind of physicality that France will bring. And having spoken to Simon Middleton in the week after England played them, he said, wait until the Black fans get beaten up by them. Then they'll see how tough a team they are. And that's the thing. They are just so physical and and they marmalise sides.
0: Well, the Black Ferns have been waiting to have another crack at them for nearly 12 months now, so anticipation is building for this semi-final. It is going to be massive. Uh, if we look at the other semi, of course, you've got Canada. Are they a bit of a smokey? Can you see, is there any chance? I mean, Sophie is obviously outstanding, but there's a few other stars in that team too.
1: Oh, absolutely. And do you know what? I think potentially, yeah, they could be England. I think that they're they're pretty smart rugby players. Mm. Sophie Degudi is is something else, isn't she? She's just so special for you know the storyline of a mum and dad who both capped in the yeah. country and now she does the same a number eight kicking goal she she plays with such flair but she's so physical she's also so beautiful what an amazing poster girl for Canada rugby she's yeah. just this kind of all if you had to to write an athlete in a storybook she's the kind of thing that you you'd put there on paper so she's she's amazing but there are a number of players on that side that we're not talking about I, I spoke to Paige Farris at, at post-match on mm-hmm. uh, on Sunday and and she's somebody that I really rate. She's, you know, been up playing her rugby up with us in the, in the Allianz Premier 15s, and that's obviously given her a, a great amount of IQ about those players that they'll face this weekend. And I think that's something that can't be overlooked. With Australia, they perhaps wouldn't have known how to unlock England, because they wouldn't have known those players as well. Yeah. A lot of these kind of Canada girls do, and that's going to make a difference this weekend.
0: Yeah, so how many of these players in this Canada side play in the Premiership and will be very familiar with the England troops? Yeah, there's a few there and it's not so much
1: who are necessarily playing there currently, but they've they kind of um had stints up there. And then there's a few girls who are English who've played over in Canada. So they'll know them well, they'll they'll get help from friends on other sides who who've played against them uh, because of that. So Paige Farris, for instance, is engaged to Katie Matheson, based in Scotland and, and the Scotland girls knowing them very well. So I'm sure that there'll be trading tips there and and you know, there's a number of girls in that Canada side who would have played sevens against the English girls who came from the seventh programme, so players like Alex Matthews mm. you all know really well. And they're the key to players like Alex Matthews, because she's the kind of silent threat. We talk about Marley Packer all the time, but Alex Matthews for me is, is the most underrated player in that England side. And I think it's the fact that the Canada girls know them a bit better than Australia would have done, that they might be able to get a, a bit of a kind of foothold there. Um but I don't think Canada fear them. I don't think Canada fear this game. You know, we know that they played against each other in that World Cup final in 2014. Mm. And, you know, they, they've got a, a pretty good history of playing against each other. It's a test match that's popped up in the calendar a lot. Uh, I don't think Canada will fear England, and I think that's what's dangerous for England this weekend.
0: Before we talk about this English Red Rose side, I wanted to talk about an individual because it was a remarkable accolade over the weekend for their captain, Sarah Hunter, becoming the most capped player, English player of all time, male or female. When did you first see this incredible woman in action?
1: Oh, just interesting. I was trying to think about this the other day. So we were talking about her first cap. She came off the bench in 2007 at St. Albans. I wouldn't have seen that. And I think this is the interesting thing. I reckon probably about 2009, 2010, I would have first seen her play because the reality is that those women's games weren't on TV. So mm-hmm. unless she got down to watch an England-Wales game. I think I've seen her. I saw her play against Bristol Club Rugby probably around 08, 09. Um, but yeah, it's it's amazing the longevity that she's had, but also the kind of standards that she sets, and that's a big thing within that side. And I think that's the thing that Simon Middleton talks about. She's a no fuss, no frills player. Mm. She's you know not somebody that you you come off the back of a game and talk about it with you know huge plaudits about those those key moments, those match winning moments. But it's because it's her consistency throughout, and it's her consistency within that squad that drives standards there and and where they've come over the past few years. We we talk so much about the resourcing that England must be get, And yes, they're so well funded, they're contracted. But the professionalism that that team has had has come from the fact that Sarah Hunter played with that generation who were elite women's players who just weren't professional. Mm. They were professional in everything but being paid to be there. So I think it, for for England, the importance that Sarah right. Hunter had is, like I say, those standards that she drives and and tries to maintain, and and the culture that that she's kind of created and, and embodies within that squad.
0: And this is why they are the best in the world, the number one team in the world on a 29-match winning streak. Does this team have any flaws? Um, I think, I'm not sure
1: necessarily if we can pick out flaws, but I think the big thing with them is, is the pressure that they're under.
0: Yes. It's
1: been tangible for me, having been around them over the past couple of weeks. It, it's... I think they're very aware that they, they've got a huge target on their back and, you know, the expectation is that they will win this World Cup. Mm. That's, that's the kind of attitude that everyone had coming into it, probably mainly down to the Blackfin's spring tour last year. I think that not so much just England's performances and, and their, their win record, but where the Blackfin's have been coming into this. You know, maybe that has skewed because of the performances that we've seen from, from New Zealand and, and maybe England now aren't as heavily favoured as they were. But at the same time, I think that there's been a lot of negativity around the way they've played, which seems unfounded to me. You know, they've, they've gone out and done everything they've needed to do. They've, they've won every game. They've mm-hmm. won every game with bonus points bar that France game, which is a very different kind of test match. And, and anyone who had an expectation that that was going to be free-flowing, high-scoring, obviously have not watched that fixture in the Six Nations over the past few years because, I mean, it was nil-nil at the stupid half-time last year. That was mm. a real thriller. <laughs> I haven't been there to chat about it at half-time. But it's... Uh, it's Interesting with the England team. I think they're going about their business. They're doing everything they can. I think there's been. um I think Simon Middleton's been frustrated by media coverage of that team. um I think the biggest flaw that they have, or the, or the biggest chink in their armour, is going to be the pressure they put themselves under. Um, and and then perhaps you know that we know that Simon Middleton wants that team to play off the script. That's the big thing. They have a game plan. They know how they want to play. They know what their structure is. They know how they're going to go about things. And nobody's allowed to deviate from that. I guess the concern there is if things don't go that way, mm. is there a plan B and how do they execute that? And does he have the right players to execute a plan B should he need to?
0: Your knowledge is outstanding. We're so lucky to have you on the programme. We love celebrating all women in rugby on the show. So just a couple of quick questions about yourself before we let you go. How did you get into this job?
1: Well, it sounds really simplistic, but you know, much like yourselves over here, I'm Welsh and, and rugby's a religion and a big yeah. part of our culture. So I've been a season ticket holder at Cardiff Rugby since I was nine years old, and then when I was 17, I went to do a week's work experience in the media office there, and, and they couldn't get rid of me for three years. <laughs> I, I worked there full time whilst I was doing my university studies and, and you know, kind of deciding how and what I wanted to do in sport. Because for me, it was the only thing I ever wanted to do was be a part of of elite rugby and, and whether that would be within a team or journalistically, and then I got a job at Sky Sports just as I graduated and I spent a decade there and and was very lucky to have the tutelage of some you know incredible voices in, in the game and, mm. and I've just been very lucky in, in you know over the past few years with the opportunities I've had but I just love rugby I'm, I'm so lucky to be a part of this game in the various roles that I have and and I, you know whether it's men's women's fifteens. I just count my lucky stars every day that I, I get to do this because, let's be honest, it's not a proper job.
0: So lucky, aren't we? We're so lucky. But you know what? Is- Rugby is lucky to have you because you are so brilliant. One of the best there is. Is there a career highlight? Is there a moment that you've just thought, wow, we're we're really here? Do you know what?
1: It's, it's a weird one because the things that, would stick out for players as career highlights so those big moments mm. and those times that you know it's big cup finals and things like that for me it's it's different it's the it's the times that I'm getting to to tell stories that mm. that mean something to me and and as strange as it sounds I, I did a small feature for World Rugby a couple of years ago about the mums on the seven series and I I sat down with Amy at the referee and, and Nar Williams from uh, the Black Blackstone Sevens and and just Talk to them about their journeys as mothers and and combining it with this sport and the struggles that go with that and the pride that they have. And and that empowerment of women in in this sport is very important to me. And and that's something that really sticks out, doing those kind of things and and getting to be at this kind of watershed moment for women's rugby and getting to tell those stories is, is critical for me, but also where I get the most pleasure in this sport. And obviously, doing karaoke with Ruby Tui <laughs> in Japan obviously is a highlight. And I'm so glad that she dug me out on national TV in the UK on Saturday evening and told the world that that's what I'm known for on the 7s.
0: Well, it's funny that you mention that because it is the Blackfin Show. So we were going to end with Ruby Tui outing you about karaoke. So what was it? What songs do you go to when you're in Japan and you you may go to the karaoke bar? Is it well, a duet?
1: The thing is, it's, it's, it's not a hobby for me. It's, it's a real passion. And... Uh, <laughs> I'm I'm quite well known on the sevens for for belting out a part of this world, the song from The Little Mermaid. Um, There is somewhere, someone has video evidence of Ruby and I doing Gangster's Paradise, (laughs) here rapping, me doing the harmonies. I just pray to God that that doesn't find its way into the public domain by the end of this World Cup.
0: Look, I'll probably ask Ricky Swinell for a copy of that and we may (laughs) have it for you on the Blackfin Show next week. So we will keep you posted. But LJJ, Laura Jane Jones, thank you so much for your time. You're absolutely brilliant. And we feel so lucky to have you on the show. Enjoy the rest of the, the Rugby World Cup the next two weeks in our beautiful country. Thanks for having me here. I'm loving every minute of it.